And, uh, and um, I know we, we're going to minister tonight, but yeah, I know if you just keep praying, if you're still ministering, just keep going. That's fine. And uh, Dave, come. Well, thank you. And thank you, Kevin, for sharing. And uh, man, I just, I have just such a rumbling in my spirit. It's just, it's just this like dovetailing that you would hope would be in every conference and every retreat and everything. But I got to tell you, it unfortunately doesn't always flow like that. And uh, so I'm really, um, I'm, I feel unorthodox because it, but it's good, if that makes any sense. Um, but uh, it's great that you are praying because what I wanted to do was I just felt like the spirit, Kev, helped me pick up on these ideas about caves. I'm a real cave guy. And uh, I actually just took some people that I work with with disabilities not too long ago to some caves in central New York over near where Cooperstown is, which is the Baseball Hall of Fame, and uh, took them over there too as well. But uh, So caves are kind of in the forefront of my, my mind with that experience, and uh, caves are just a part of my journey. Uh, but um, I just have a little acronym that I put together. And um, first of all, with caves, okay, we'll take the word caves. And you touched on this with the 400 men. The key, one of the keys in caves, and I agree, you can't always have the answers in caves. Sometimes you just need to be together. But that, I think, reinforces this point. How we do community is everything about how we tunnel through caves. There was a community in Rosetta, uh, Italy, back in the late 1800s, where some immigrants came from Italy, and they moved to Bangor, Pennsylvania. And then a year later, they established some things, grew some gardens, built some homes. A year later, 1,200 people from the Rosetta, Italy community uprooted, moved all the way to Bangor, Pennsylvania. And there were city blocks that were emptied in Italy, but they started to build this community. Well, the community started to thrive. And some researchers came by years and years later to do research why the members of this community were outliving other immigrants from different parts of Europe and different parts that were coming over in similar regions. And they did research on these people, why they were surviving and why they had such great longevity of life. So they studied diet. They studied uh, geography, where they lived. They studied... uh, um, their DNA, they studied their ancestry, they studied probably sleep habits, all all kinds of different things. And they couldn't come up with anything that was definitive on why they were outliving these other people by at least 20 years. Until this one guy did research. And have any of you read uh, the book Outliers? This story is actually in that book, Outliers. And what the research came up with was they actually ate too much. You know, like back in the homeland in Italy, they might have had sweets like once a week on Sunday or something. They were eating sweets like three times a day, seven days a week. Welcome to America, right? Like they were just doing that. And they were, they were uh, you know, they, they had all kinds of diet things. They weren't eating butter or whatever. They were eating pork fat. They were, they were, uh, they were drinking too much. They were doing all kinds of stuff. But what the research, this one researcher guy came up with was he watched how they had sometimes three generations under one roof and how the younger supported the little bit older or the older supported the little bit younger, how they revered the elderly, how they stopped in the markets, how they broke bread together, how they had common times together, how they would sit on their porches, how they would unplug and do kind of the siesta thing or the, uh, the Europeans do this too. They unplug at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 4 or whatever and they just, they relaxed and they enjoyed li- life and, and um, everybody was doing research based on these health issues that are important. I mean, because I know we're all kind of into that stuff 
stuff now, and I am, my wife is in spades, and we do all that kind of green stuff and natural stuff, and we dig all of that, and I get all of that. But nobody was doing research on how they did community, how they did life, that health was connected to life. And I'm reading that story, and I'm thinking, isn't that the way Jesus taught in the first, for the first century church to be? to break bread, to be together, to do community, to get in a cave together. Like if we're going to be in a cave, we might as well be in it together and we might as well get around and pray for one another and talk to one another and love on one another because we weren't built to be islands. We're built to be together and to be connected. And this is something I so strive for as a communicator within the body that grew up in a paradigm that we're up here and you're down there. I don't go for that. Because my kids need friends. I need friends. I want to be part of community. And so our leadership style in our work environments, our schools, our family scenarios, whether you're a patriarch, a matriarch, or whatever you are, got to do community together and we heal one another and we empower one another and we strengthen one another. And we're going to pray again in a minute. Because I know only a few of us put up our hands on caves. There's so many in caves. I didn't even put my hand up. I've been in a cave. I've been in lots of caves. And Trav, the little prophet, comes over and starts prophesying over me. And I was like, ta-da, I got the word, Trav. Now I can go. Because he prophesied over me some things about my cave. And about lights coming on for me in my cave. And about coming out of the dark. I think it's, I think it's awesome that you wanted to be in your cave as an electrician, that was dark. <laughs> yeah. Did you pick up on that? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm happy as an electrician in my dark cave. Can't even turn on the lights myself. But I, we, we do that. We just do that. We just do that. Community. Breaking bread. Doing life. That's what causes us to thrive and survive and really go and break through and get through is pulling together. That's why the dynamic of the church in this day and age, our challenge is to be restored to a lot of the dynamics, I think, of the first century church and how they just did life together. And what's so interesting about speaking that to a Western culture is that we all grow up, in, I know in the United States, with this independent spirit. And there's something beautiful I love about the tenacity of the independency of the individual and government for the people, by the people, of the people. I, I, I get all that. But you know what? We're so made to be together. Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of America, when he would travel, I mean, they traveled on ships to go from London to New York and to Boston. It would take them six weeks to get across the ocean. They'd never see a soul. But when another ship passed by in the night, Franklin would record and watch the looks of the faces of people looking at one another, the same species passing by, and the smiles and the joy and the laughter and the dancing and the waving and the celebrating of there's other people on this planet and they would never see them ever again. But for that moment, for that moment, that's the way God made us. And I think that's what a a, a part of this ingredient and dynamic is here. Hopefully, you have great church community experiences, all of you. But why not spread the love around in in this eclectic gathering too and, 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 and just up the ante and have another expression and another experience? Because I actually think prophetically, this is a pool and a resource and a melting pot for different synergizing ideas of 
work of, of how to do government and education and family life, that you can blend it and meld it together from your different church experiences and bring it into a context like this that can actually reverberate throughout the earth, especially in Edmonton or Calgary or wherever you live, and then just let it shake out into the province. That's here. That's in the DNA here. I'd be showing up for this, man. I flew out from New York at the last minute to come here. God spoke to me when I was flying into Edmonton uh, a few months ago. He said, you're coming back at the end of this year. I had no bookings out here. I was like, what are you talking about in Alberta? I was in Winnipeg. Trav, phone me. Dave, can you come? Or text me, can you come? I'm like, yeah. God told me I was supposed to get out here. This must be it. And I get here. I'm like, wow, what is this? What is resurgence? Caves, community, able to help other people. When you're in your darkest point, now, if you're sick and you're infirm and you're on your, on your backside and you can't do anything, you need a reprieve of rest and you need others to help you. Although I know people that are in the kingdom that are like that, and the one thing they're still doing that's altering and shifting all kinds of things, they're still praying. <laughs> people, even when they're sick, they're, they're praying even more. They're probably even doing more. But people that get through caves are people that are able to get the job done to help other people. We're put on this earth to be heroic in community for others. That's why we exist. Desmond Tutu said, if there was no hell to uh, shun and no heaven to gain, the greatest thing of eternal value is to pass something on to the other generation. That is what is eternal. We heard that spoken today through the employing and the, and the pleading and, and, and compelling us to pray for the younger generation. And you know what? Whatever we got to do to make the burst stick to help other people, we got to do. See, we think of integrity as being strictly um, uh, isolated on ethics and morality. And if it's not about that, it's not about anything. So I'm not downplaying the significance of that. Because, you know, you can lose your money and you lose a whole lot. You can lose friends and you lose so much. You lose your health, you lose almost everything. But you lose integrity, it's kaput. You don't have anything. But we have to think of integrity as being able to get the job done. Workability is an important ingredient in integrity. So if it's not working, why do we keep flogging it? Come on. Integrity. Making our lives and communities work so they help people. Able to get the job done. You guys bring that to the... Boy, it's silent in here. Whoa, it's quiet. Your gears are either rolling or you're ready to stone me or something. I'm glad we don't have hymnals. I mean, whoa. It's okay. Able. In caves you find the reason. Who did he have there? The distraught, the disadvantaged, the disenfranchised, the broke. Hey, what a team! Woo! Doesn't matter with God, a whole lot of nothing is a really cool hand. You know why? Because behind that nothing is gold. Everything that we see wasn't made by nothing, it was made by the stuff that we don't see. So when that group comes into that cave, we see, the world sees a whole lot of rubbish. And we, in the middle of that cave, going, This is what I gotta lead? Like, are you kidding me? No. There's so much in behind that mess. There's just this repleteness and fullness of messages. And so you guys, and I'm not implying that 
you're coming out of those kinds of experiences or not. But we're all searching. We're all reaching. We're all wanting to do more. So we allow God to make us able to help other people. And the way we do that, caves, community, able, is we're vaporous. Being flexible and moldable and vaporous is such a beautiful ingredient from God. When Jesus told them, take those jugs, 20 to 30 gallon jugs, his first miracle at a party, at a celebration, at doing life, family, community together. And his mom was like, make sure you get that. We, we got to have some more wine here, Jesus, you know. Hey, woman, it's not my time yet. And she tells the servants, keep your eye on him. Listen to him. Watch him, you know, like mama knows best here. We got to get, we got to up the ante on this party here. He's going to do something. I'm telling you right now. Moms always know. I just know because I just went through a wedding. My wife had a list of a billion things and we were the groom's side of the family. I mean, can you imagine when my daughter gets married? My God, I don't even know what's going to happen. What did Jesus do? He went and took jugs that were so sacred and so holy. They weren't jugs that were based upon uh, kosher laws of, you know, cleansing and washing for that. They weren't strictly for that. What were they for? They were for their form of worship. They were for their form of worship, right? That was a form of worship. That was how the Jewish people reached God. And Jesus had them take those jugs and he turned the water into wine and then he took it to the head of that Jewish household and they brought the wine in and the guy goes, wow, this is awesome. Usually you bring out the best stuff first and the other stuff second. You've brought out the best stuff for the last. And it says, and he didn't know where it came from, but the servants did. Why does it have to put that in there? Because if he hadn't known where it came from, it would have killed everybody. The party would have been over. He would have kicked them all out. Because in a Jewish culture, even to this day. I mean, you can eat a hamburger because there's death represented by that meat. You can eat a a cheese sandwich because there's life represented in that cheese. But you can't eat a cheeseburger combined together because that doesn't meet with their form and style of worshiping God. You can't blend those two. Jesus comes along in in the first century and he says, hey guys, guess what? You can have a cheeseburger, man. That's what he's saying. And he doesn't break the old system. He puts it in flex. He remolds it. He repurposes it. He makes it flexible. He doesn't destroy it. And that's what God's looking for in how we are able, how we do community, and how we're moldable and flexible is we take these beautiful sacred things that are time-honored and that are traditions and that we respect and we can have an appreciation for, but we can also know that these modes of how to get God to us and us to God can be in flex and we can, we can work with them and we can change them. After Hiroshima, the only thing that survived, none of the brick buildings, all destroyed. Just the bamboo stayed. The bamboo was the only thing that stayed because bamboo is supple. It's not brittle. It's flexible. It's not hard. And that's the way God wants to make us. And when we're in the middle of a cave, when we're dying, when we want to harden up, when we want to lock down, when we want to lock and back up, when we want to just say, I'm staying here and I'm not moving and I'm not changing. We can do that in so many different ways. We're in trouble, but God, by his spirit, comes in, and he molds us, and, and, he, and he softens us, and he, and he makes us flexible and pliable so that things start to fit, and we're integral because it works. The body of Christ, the church, the world is looking. Make, I like Jesus. People like Jesus. They just don't like how we do Jesus some days. 
We need a little help on how to do Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm so varietous. You can try. I don't even know if that's a word, but I like it. Like, let's try it. Maybe it is a Swedish interpretation of an English. I don't know. We'll go with that. Just being flex. David, greatest warrior. Greatest warrior ever in the history of his. The only one to take the promised land. The only one. That your tenderness and gentleness has made me great. David messed up all the time. But he had a heart that was after God. I will never be the same after this exhortation on Psalm 46, verse 10. I've preached that verse so many times, it's not even funny. But the way Andrew put it, in the context of that word about the rose opening, and the God on our chest, and I will never be the same after that today. One moment, one time, I'm glad I flew out just for that. Not to mention you prophesying over me. Not to mention hearing a word about prayer. Not to mention running into you, John. Not to mention running into you. And every moment of every day, even in our darkest, deepest hours in the cave, if we stay moldable, you're going to get to that block. You're going to get to that block. That is a key to fulfilling vision like nothing else. Vaporious inflexibility. The scripture says about David, he weakened me in the way. Not stop me. Grinding halt. Cave forever. No. David was always moving forward even when he was dying. Even when he was dying. He was moving forward in transformation. Flexible. Vaporious. And then energized by passion is so important in a cave. That you have, whether, whether it's a flickering little, just the faint, that's all God needs. He's attracted like a moth to a flame. If he sees a little flicker. God, listen, I had a friend call me up in the States one day. And he says, Dave, can I come over and watch the hockey game with you? I said, you don't even like hockey, Donnie. He says, no, I don't want to watch the hockey game. I want to watch you watch the hockey game. (laughs) Whether it's hockey, growing tomatoes, living in a cave, bleeding out, but still loving life, believing God, believing people, even when you're disillusioned, disheartened, disenfranchised, and absolutely in debt, up to your eyeballs, there's still that light flicker. You talked about it today. When that's there, you can be bottom line guaranteed. People are going to be around that. That's going to empower people. And most importantly, the final thing about caves is that's the only place that the Spirit of God really shows up. God always shows up in grace where there's the greasiest, darkest, loneliest, most desperate hour. He is always going to show up there. And if church is about anything, because I go to McDonald's and I don't, but if I did, I'd get a Big Mac. If I go to the car dealership, I'm getting a car. If I go to a hockey game, I hope I get to see a hockey team in Edmonton play and win. Uh, what, I wanna, if I go to the house of God and I'm around the people of God, I want to meet God. I want to meet God and people that love God and love life and love me and love one another. Caves. Caves. Community. Able. Vaporous. Energized by passion. Come on.
Come on, and attracting the Spirit of God. Let's stand again and let's pray. I'm telling you, you're coming out. You guys are coming out of your caves. Oh, you are coming out of your caves. Say that, I'm coming out of my cave. Say, it's time to come out of my cave. You know, many a truth are said in jest. We've been running around with, did you see him walking around with his little sticker on yesterday and nobody said anything? Who saw that? Did any of you guys see that? Did you let him walk around with that sticker on? We let him walk around all day, didn't we? It said, it said, Travi Bear on the back of it. Travi Bear. Travi Bear. Travi Bear in hibernation. No, Travi Bear's out of hibernation. And we were joking around with that all day yesterday. Come out of your caves. I know it's November and it's wintertime in Alberta, in the natural, but in the spirit. It's springtime for cave dwellers. That's what's going on here. This is not a retreat. It's an advance. This is not, uh, this is resurgence. Come on, out of the caves. Anybody in a cave? I lied. I didn't put my hand up before. Come on. You in a cave? You in a cave? God's with you. You got good stuff in you. We can do it together. That's the spirit of prophecy. So let's gather again. Just gather around somebody. Sit down again and start to pray. And listen, move more towards the prophetic and get ready for that power buzz button. That, I don't know anything about gaming. I'm doing the best I can. I don't know if it's a power buzz button or whatever it is. I couldn't even do the child's game with the snail and the button and the... I don't know. But watch, the wind of God is blowing through here. And I'll tell you what, you'd be amazed just praying for a person, how prophetic you will be in your praying. In a context like this, where it's just like Turbo Boost City, you are praying and changing and subduing and changing things right now. So I think we should pray one more time for one another. And then we're going to break up and we're going to enjoy the afternoon. Trav, if you have something on your heart or did you want somebody to come and lead worship? Um, yeah, you can come on up. Uh, and then we're going to relax. And then we're going to come back tonight and listen tonight. Every single person. Now, if you don't want to be open, that's okay. That's all right. Every single person tonight, somewhere along the line, is going to get a gift. Because I felt coming here that this was Christmas time. And it was like, a, yeah, and that you're going to get a gift. And it's like Santa's in town. And not me, but the spirit of Santa, which is a beautiful spirit. I think it is. Anyways, um, don't preach that in your church or whatever. But it's my northern New York goofy theology thing. I don't know. But I felt it was Christmas night, and everybody's going to get a beautiful impartation tonight. And I'm going to teach you a little bit on simple prophecy that is just, I just think Jesus is going to be, it's going to be good. And, um, but we want to pray for one another and just get out of our caves right now, okay? We're supposed to come out of the caves. We're supposed to leave here this weekend out of the caves. And then tonight we're just going to splash around and have a riot. And then tomorrow, Pastor Ken will bring us back to earth and get us all back down and get us stable and strong. And I'm sure that'll all work out great. So, I just wanted to share something before we break off. I, uh, um, about 12 years ago, was at this camp. And uh, with Kevin, we were up in an upper room in, in room 300 or 200, one of them. And we were here with the youth group, and we were doing ministry for a family camp, the youth services. And uh, my youth pastor was there, Trevor, and he's like, okay, so we're going to break into groups. Travis, you're leading a group. I think Kevin was leading the group. 
and we're going to pray for people. You're going to encourage. You're going to build up people. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm leading a group. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, we're just going to pray. No, no, we're going to prophesy. Okay, I know how to pray. So then I'm there, and I'm supposed to be the leader. And so I'm like, I've never done this. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I'm like, like, prophecy, that's a scary word. Like, I like prayer, you know? And so I... um. So I'm, I'm like, what do I do? So I'm praying, and I'm praying for this person. First person I pray for. And all I can think of in my mind is the word zebra. Zebra. And I'm like, I'm not saying that. Like, what am I going to say? Zebra. 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 I'm like, doot, doot. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm just thinking this, and, and no one's really praying. No one's praying. Time's going on. Trev comes by. He's like, just speak it out. Speak what's on. Travi, you got it. Speak it out. And I'm like, Trev, you don't know what I got. You don't know the word, you know. So, so I got zebra. So I'm like, well, okay, here we go. Zebra. I see a zebra. And the guy just like looks at me. The group's looking at me. And as soon as I said that, all of a sudden I go, I see a zebra. I see Africa. I see you in Africa. I see you going to Africa. I, and it just, boom, and it just like came. And I, I, but it was like obedient, the first step of boldness. And as soon as I said zebra, I didn't think of Africa. It, it didn't even, I wasn't even thinking, I was thinking, zebra is crazy. Why am I saying zebra? Well, turns out the guy was moving to Africa for two years. Did I know that? I had no idea who he was. He was his family was moving to Africa, and I was confirming and building up and encouraging. And so I just want to encourage you that sometimes it can be really scary, and this can be like a prophecy. I, I don't come from a church that does prophecy. You know, whatever it is, our backgrounds. Uh, you know what it is? Uh, I was at a conference this summer, and, and a lady said, you know, it's hearing God, hearing God's voice. And, and, you know, when I pray now, I just say, God, I want to pray what you want me to pray. So, God... I want to hear you for this person. I want to pray for John. I want to build him up, and I want to hear the voice of God for John. God, what are you saying? John, we just, you're stepping in, you know, just whatever God's just, and it's an encouraging, it's a building up, it's, it's, it's putting beauty on just their life, and it's increasing value and honoring the person. And, and you know what? Most times I found it's not new stuff. It's not direction and all of that. That's, that's scary. Stay. But it's, it's more the building and edifying and, and saying you can do it. And so I just want to encourage you. Sometimes it can be scary, but it's like just hearing God's voice. And so we're going to break into groups. And I just felt to share that. Just to add to that, um, just to add to that. Trev learned that way by me, and then he imparted it to him. But I'll just say this. One of the things I do, and we won't do it here, but I'll in, I do home group churches sometimes, and I'll take a bag of goodies, just different items, and we'll draw out, okay? I don't have a scripture and verse for this, but it's a nice, it kickstarts thing. People will pull out a cell phone, and a person, say you draw out the cell phone. And then we just speak what, what we feel God's, and it's wonderful. And we've been doing words lately, too. Like, I'll lay in my last two weeks ago in Winnipeg. I'm a, Lord gives me 14 words for 14 different men in a mini men's retreat. And every man chose a word. And then we went with that, and it was wonderful just like that. But it's exactly this idea that it's usually confirming what we already know about people. It's just confirming. And it's just encouraging and is exhorting and edifying. 
And tonight I'll talk about that a little bit more. But I just felt like there was already a nice spirit of prayer here. And uh, so just pray one more time. It doesn't have to be a big prayer, but just pray one more time. And then just go head out and just have fun. Do whatever you want to do. And just, right, just relax and unplug. And then we come back for supper. And, I mean, I can't even imagine eating again after the bacon and chicken and the... Five o'clock supper, it's five o'clock supper somewhere, or whatever that song is. <laughs> and uh, we're going we're gonna to do some pre-service prayer at 6.15, just in this side room, right through those doors. So 6.15, if you just want to come and pray and pre-service, uh, that's going to be going on at 6.15. So, yeah. So let's do that. Let's just break up in the groups. And uh, who, who needs, you're in a cave and you're coming out, you just, you're in a cave. And you, you put your hand up, maybe you didn't before, but just really put it high. So, and now let's see those people and let's get around them and just pray again. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, let's just pray for one more time. So look for the hands. You see a hand, move towards the hand. 